0: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau podcast. I am Emily Leroy, Senior Advisor at Missouri Farm Bureau, and I am joined this week with my co-host, Ben Trablos, Senior Director of State and Local Legislative Affairs. Ben and I are going to be talking about the legislative spring break. Ben, what's going on at the state capitol this year?
1: All right. Well, hey, Emily, good to be with you here on the podcast today. Uh, you know, right now it's a it's essentially halftime. It's the spring legislative uh, spring break for the Missouri legislature, and so in a sense we are in the locker room right now, looking at uh, how the first half of session went. And you know, we did see progress on some uh, big. Missouri Farm Bureau priorities Uh, but of course as any sports fan knows that a lot can happen in the second half and so we are looking at the second half of the state legislative session uh, coming up that will kick off on Monday and we know that we've got eight weeks left uh, and hopefully the Missouri legislature will be able to accomplish uh, some some major things for Missouri uh, both Missouri Farm Bureau priorities and then also some other things that aren't necessarily on our radar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So things have been a little bit different this year than how they were in the 2022 legislative session. In 2022, there was a lot of talk about redistricting and a lot of um, stalled bills in the Senate. But this year, it's been a little different. They've been knocking out some priorities of their respective chambers. I know that the House passed a pretty large um, controversial crime bill. The Senate has been working on education issues, such as the Parents' Bills of Rights, Um, and they've they've been able to work through some compromises. That being said, there's some things on the docket that maybe they won't be compromising as easily as they did in the first half of session. I know the House just recently passed what they call the open enrollment bill um, relating to public school education. And that could definitely lead to some fireworks in the Senate. The last several years, the House has worked on that legislation and it's been, you know, held up in the Senate, but we'll see if the makeup of the Senate changes that. And for the most part, Senate um, House Republicans have been divided on that issue, which is pretty unusual. It did pass out of the House with a vote of 85 to 69. And so that's a pretty tight vote. And so we've seen some discord between um, really rural and urban Republicans on that issue. And there's how they see the future of public education and whether there should be competition and schools being able to transfer students or not. And so that's a really big issue on the docket that we've heard from some of our members about, but um, we've been monitoring closely. And then also in the Senate, I know they've been working on transgender issues. And what does that look like for the state of Missouri? And um, the Senate, that's actually how they ended their time last week was debating what that looks like. And they went to spring break a day early, which is super unusual. Um, so we'll see how Senate leadership comes back and tackles those issues and what they do moving forward. But there have been progress on Farm Bureau issues. So what is what are some of the issues on our Farm Bureau policy that they have tackled this year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like you said, it the session has a different feel to it than the last day. Uh, late legislative session did in 2022, and you know one of the big uh, items that Missouri Farm Bureau members definitely care about is initiative petition reform. You know there's uh, been a slew of different examples, including the passage of Amendment Three this last fall, which enshrined recreational marijuana into our state's constitution. And obviously, from Missouri Farm Bureau's perspective, that was something that we were not in support of, but uh, so we definitely want to see initiative petition reform, and this is something that the uh, the House uh, actually has already addressed, and they passed HJR 43 uh, out of the chamber, and it's headed over to the Senate. And, you know, from Missouri Farm Bureau's perspective, whenever we were to summarize, if we were to summarize all the different policies that we have when it comes to initiative petition, how I would personally summarize it is we want to see two things. We want to see the threshold for constitutional amendments raised. Currently, it's a simple majority to pass a constitutional amendment, and we want to ensure that the rule of voice is heard, uh, both in the signature gathering process and maybe even whenever they're deciding to do amendments. So HGR 43, which is sponsored by Representative Mike Henderson, it doesn't do everything Missouri Farm Bureau would like to see. I'll say that up front. But, it, but it's better than what we currently have. And so what it does is it raises that threshold for passing a constitutional amendment up from a simple majority up to 60%. It would have to go to a vote of the people if it were to pass through the legislature. Um, so it's already, like I said, passed the House. It's had a Senate committee hearing. It's been passed out of committee. And so now it's just waiting for time to be debated on, on the Senate floor. That being said, there's a, there's a whole slew of different bills and proposals to address initiative petition reform. And one one kind of new concept that we're seeing is something uh, referred to as concurrent majority. And there has been some traction on these bills as well. And basically, the idea of of some of these proposals is maintaining the simple majority for a constitutional amendment, but adding in also that you have to have the simple majority of one bill I know is simple majority of of house districts uh, voting for that constitutional amendment. Another one is for senatorial districts. And there's even a third, I believe, for congressional districts. And so again, ultimately the idea being raise that threshold to uh, pass a constitutional amendment. And also uh, the other idea with concurrent majority is once again, ensuring that rural voice is heard. And so it'll be interesting to see what what the Senate uh, decides to do with the initiative petition reform debate and to see how that is handled in the remaining weeks of session. Something I do really want to to emphasize, though, and this is something that I've definitely been talking about with with our members, is that passing something through the legislature is one thing, but an initiative petition reform passing on the ballot is a different conversation altogether. To be point blank honest, there are entities and organizations that don't want to see initiative petition process reformed uh, and they're willing to fight it on the ballot. And so that's something that we definitely need to be cognitive of and something I know that the legislature is cognitive of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you you framed it really well. And I think the thing to, um, to make sure that people understand whenever they, if they were to be able to go to the polls and understand this is these bills are just dealing with constitutional amendments, not statutory amendments. And so that's a really big difference when you're talking about giving people a voice and, you know, not disenfranchising voters and making sure that we're making amendments to to statute, which can be tweaked over time, as happens all the time, every year, um, versus putting things into the Constitution that may not be able to be well vetted. So thanks for keeping an eye on that. I know that's been a where a lot of your time has been spent this session and is also a priority of really both chambers leadership and especially um, House Speaker Dean Plocker has identified it as a priority. Absolutely. So another issue that has taken up quite a bit of bandwidth this session is the discussion of foreign ownership of agricultural land. Um, I know there's a lot of bills moving forward on that front as well. So as a quick recap to our listeners, The current Missouri um, state law caps foreign ownership of agricultural land at 1% of Missouri's ag land. So that's about 270,000 acres and we are well below that threshold somewhere in the 0.3% range of foreign ownership and the Missouri Department of Agriculture keeps track of who those entities are, which countries and what counties that land is held in. But there's been a lot of discussion all across the nation, really, about what should that policy look like rather than a patchwork approach. You know, should there be should there be a closer look at not having any foreign ownership of ag land in Missouri? Or should there kind of be a divide of we want foreign investment from certain allies, but we don't want other entities to be able to, or other maybe hostile nations to be able to invest in Missouri and purchase ag land. And so that's been really interesting to watch this year because it's something that some legislators, honestly, um, Senate Democrats have had an eye on the last several years and have proposed bills that would eliminate all foreign ownership of agricultural land, which is in line with Missouri Farm Bureau policy. But now all legislators, Republicans and Democrats are are really coming to the table on this issue. And it seems to me like they're kind of starting to um, pinpoint this more as a national security issue, which we all know food security is national security. Our members have obviously felt that way for a long time. But it's interesting to see if they're going to decide to divide up the ownership, meaning friends of the United States are willing to or able to invest and others are not. And so that's what we've seen in House Bill 903 from Representative Hafner passed um, nearly unanimously, if if not unanimously, out of the House. And so that would reduce that cap from 1% to a half percent of foreign ownership, but also would say there could be no ownership of agricultural land from certain hostile countries, including China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and Venezuela. Um, So we'll keep an eye on how that all transpires. As I said, the bill is over in the Senate and the Senate has convened a special committee to consider this issue um, of foreign investment in our adversaries. we'll keep an eye on that and continue to advocate for Missouri Farm Bureau policy which is reducing that cap and really its support of prohibiting of all foreign ownership of ag land. Is there anything I missed there Ben?
1: No I I think you definitely uh, did a a good job recapping what the legislature has done with the topic of foreign ownership of agricultural land and again I would reiterate from Missouri Farm Bureau's members perspectives we, we view food security as national security and that's why we do hold that line of we want to ensure that uh, this topic is dealt with and that we think that the time is right for the legislature to address this topic. And keep in mind, this is a, a conversation that's being had not just in the state of Missouri, but across the nation. And so definitely a, a hot topic, not only in, in our state capital, but even in other state capitals and in Washington, D.C. as well. Um, Along those lines, though, another flagship issue that the Missouri Farm Bureau is always going to be beating the drum on is protecting private property rights. And this goes hand in hand, obviously, with foreign ownership of agricultural land, ensuring that our our property rights are protected. And we've seen some movement on some priority bills that we have, not as much as what we maybe would have liked to have seen, but hey, a a step in the right direction is uh, is still a positive. And so one of the One of the bills that we are really excited about is uh, sponsored by Senator Mike Bernsketter and Representative Mike Hafner has the House version. And what this bill does is it uh, addresses the Public Service Commission, the PSC. So the PSC is a governor appointed uh, commission that basically has say over utility related projects and so This would include projects such as the Grain Belt Express, the Tiger Connector, and other utility related projects like that. And so knowing full well that we are on the crux of seeing other projects like that coming down the pipeline, knowing full well that there are other projects in the queue, this legislation looks at the Public Service Commission itself and calls for geographical and rural representation on the PSC. And so again, knowing that there's these other projects coming down the pipeline, we want to be sure that there are people uh, on that commission that understand the rural way of life. And something that's really intriguing about the legislation is it calls for at least three of those commissioners to be involved in production agriculture. Again, trying to ensure that there are people on there that understand fully the fundamental inherent value of property rights. And so uh, we are really excited to see that legislation. It has been referred to the House Agriculture Committee, and we do anticipate to have a, a hearing in the uh, in the upcoming weeks after we get back from the spring legislative session. Uh, on that note, though, while we're on the topic of property rights, another another bill that we are really uh, intrigued and working on, we've worked with Senator uh, Cindy O'Loughlin, the majority floor leader in the Senate, and also, again, Representative Mike Kaffner to look at solar and wind projects. So there's a, currently, there's a lot happening on the uh, commercial solar front, especially in the northern parts of our state. And, you know, from Missouri Farm Bureau's perspective, we were for property rights. We are for a landowner having the prerogative to do with their land as they see fit. So if a landowner wants to engage in a contractual agreement, that is their prerogative to do so. However, as it currently stands, there is a statutory loophole that would enable if if a solar or wind project is constructed, they would then therefore be defined as an electrical plant, which means they would therefore have condemnation authority. And so there is a futuristic scenario. We're not seeing a play out in this day and age, but there is a futuristic scenario in which they could be using the power of eminent domain and therefore a landowner would not have the right to choose anymore. And so that is a statutory loophole that we are very serious about trying to close.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's no question that energy generation and transmission is um, evolving across the country. And I think these are some really common sense proposals brought to us by our members of how we can move into this next era and making sure that landowners and farmers concerns are addressed. So keep up the good work on those. And, um, we'll keep making progress. Another new issue that we've been talking about a lot this session is access to quality and affordable health care. And that's through new legislation that Missouri Farm Bureau has been advocating for to create a Missouri Farm Bureau health plan for our members. And so a health plan is really, it's another option. It's an alternative to traditional insurance for those who may need it. You know, The Affordable Care Act went into place over a decade ago, and it really changed things up for folks, and it especially changed the options available for sole proprietors. So if you're a farmer or a small business owner or self-employed, you don't have access a lot of times to those large group plans that are offered through employer plans, and that can leave things really expensive. And so we're looking at providing another option to our members, which could maybe give them another way to keep more money in their pockets, but also, most importantly, to cover them and their families from potential health catastrophes. So these health plans, you know, it's new to Missouri, but it's not new to Farm Bureau. So Tennessee Farm Bureau has been offering these health plans to their members for 75 years, and things are going so well over there, they have a 98% retention rate of their policies, which is really fantastic. And so in the last several years, we've seen five other state farm bureaus, including our neighbors, Iowa and Kansas, jump in and start offering these health plans to their members. And one of the reasons for doing so, again, is affordability. So if you're looking at the Affordable Care Act marketplace and your income is too high to qualify for some of those tax credits to bring down those premium and deductible costs, um, it can be really unaffordable. And these plans, by comparison, are saving folks about 30 percent compared to what they would get on the ACA marketplace. So it's not necessarily a solution for everyone, but for those who don't have access to employer plans and um, don't qualify for the the subsidies on the ACA, it can really be a game changer. And so this all goes back to the idea of what can we do as a membership organization to improve folks' quality of life and to help return farmers back to home bring the next generation home and invest in rural communities. And so this is something that can definitely help keep folks on the farm, but also keep people um, encouraged that entrepreneurial spirit for all those other trades that we need. We need electricians, mechanics, all those things. And so healthcare is just a really, really big issue. So Senator Crawford has been our champion in the Senate and Representative Curtis Gregory has been the leader in the House and both bills have been Moving forward, we had um, just last week, we had a really great hearing in the House where Missouri Farm Bureau members were able to come and share their concerns and let the legislature know directly what a health plan would mean for them. And so we look forward to moving that bill out of the House committee, hopefully soon after spring break. On the Senate side, we had the hearing early on right out of the gate, and we've been working on compromise language and that bill has been voted out of committee on a party line vote of five to one. So we look forward to bringing that to the floor soon and working with um, our legislators to offer Missouri Farm Bureau another option. So it's been a, a lot of a lot of effort from a lot of folks and um, appreciate all those who have raised concerns to their legislators about that thus far. Um, on that front, Ben, did I miss anything on health plans?
1: No, I think you definitely hit, hit the nail on the head with that. You know, this is This is something that we are seeing is a a huge issue and concern across Missouri for farmers for ranchers and like you said, any sole proprietor is there aren't options out there for affordable quality health coverage. And you know there's five counties in the state of Missouri that have one option on the marketplace and 52 counties where there's two options and so. The the important part of this is, again, it's not going to work for everybody, but it is a model that works in six other states. And all it does is it creates another option for families to consider to see what works best for them. And, you know, especially from Missouri Farm Bureau's farm families perspective, at the heart of something that we're always by and large looking to do is how can we bring that next generation home to the farm, to our rural communities, and and carry on that family legacy. And we definitely feel that uh, access to affordable quality health coverage is one of those big sticking issues that is uh, standing in the way of bringing that dream to a reality.
0: Yep. So many people make decisions of employment based on access to benefits. And so having additional it, it, like we've said again, an additional option can can only help folks have more flexibility with following their following their path in life. So, yeah. so it's all about bringing people back home, bringing people back home to the farm. And what else are we doing in the legislature on that front?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know that that again is always going to be at the heart of Missouri Farm Bureau family members is how can we. How can we set up the next generation for success and something that uh, in addition to our efforts on the health plan front that we're uh, working with the legislature on is uh, some beginning farmer provisions and so you know in the state of Missouri there are. A whole slew of different programs and incentives for young beginning farmers and ranchers, from low interest loan programs with the Farm Service Agency, with uh, low interest loan programs with the Missouri Department of Agriculture. There's uh, programs with Missouri Treasurer's Office. There's provisions within NRCS programs for beginning farmers. There's even crop insurance benefits uh, specific for beginning producers. However, there's currently not a program in the state of Missouri that incentivizes established, maybe retiring farmers, ranchers, and landowners to work with beginning producers. And so this is something that we are definitely uh, excited about. And what we see across uh, the state of Missouri is one of the reasons that, uh, one of the biggest challenges that beginning farmers and ranchers faces access to affordable land. And the reality is, is there's a lot of farmers, ranchers, and landowners that may be ready to pass that farm on to the next generation, but they feel that they can't because of the crippling impact of capital gains. And that's exactly what this legislation attempts to address. So Senator Denny Hoskins and Senator John Rizzo have both sponsored these bills on the Senate side and Representative Dane Deal, a farmer from uh, the western part of, uh, of the state, He's a freshman representative, but he has sponsored this on the house side. He's already had the house uh, agriculture hearing and it's been voted out. And what it would do is it would create an income tax deduction for uh, established retiring uh, landowners to work with eligible beginning producers. And there's two different really groups that this legislation is trying to move the needle for. One being passing that farm or ranch onto the next generation in a multi-generational family farm. Uh, and making sure that they could have the ability to carry on the family legacy, but also to maybe for that, that individual that wants to be that first generation, that first generation getting the foot in the door of starting a, a family farm. And so our hope is that this legislation can help move the needle. And I'm really excited about it personally, because there's not another program in the entire nation like this. And so it's, it's really exciting to see if we can get this across the finish line and uh, see if it can move the needle.
0: You're right. It is really exciting to see Missouri farmers being leaders on this issue and to see young farmers bring ideas to the table for what to do. So definitely a lot of momentum on that legislation and um, I hope we can get something done this year on that. So what else is on the docket? One thing that comes to mind is the budget. We all know that the last several years, a lot of times amplified by COVID, there has been a massive surplus of funding, unlike anything the state has seen before. Some of that is due to federal funds coming down for COVID emergency relief. Some of it's in the form of infrastructure funds, but also the state general revenue fund has really been plussed up as tax collections increase probably in large part to inflation. And as the cost of goods go up, so do tax revenues. So what is the legislature looking at doing with some of these funds this year?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the legislature does have uh, quite a few dollars uh, to have say over how to invest. I mean, in the tune of about $6 billion actually. And from Missouri Farm Bureau's perspective, we want to see investment in hard infrastructure. And I'm excited to say that this is something that is definitely ringing true in the Missouri legislature as well. And especially whenever the topic of Interstate 70 comes up, this is a a really hot topic in the state capital right now of expanding I-70 to six lanes from Blue Springs all the way over to St. Charles. And this is really being viewed as the, the 800 pound gorilla, if you will, for Missouri transportation. And, you know, from Missouri Farm Bureau's perspective, we do uh, definitely support expanding I-70 to six lanes, especially with the knowledge that the American Foods Group is coming online here uh, in the next couple of years. And they're anticipating of of processing up to 2,400 head of cattle a day. And so we're really excited about that opportunity, but we also know full well uh, that we need the infrastructure in order to have access to that market. Now, that being said, while, yes, we do definitely support expanding I-70 to six lanes, our members are adamant in that we got to be able to get to I-70. And we need to also, at the same time, be addressing our low volume roads and rural routes. So last year, the Missouri legislature made available $100 million Uh, for low volume roads. And we are asking the legislature to consider uh, doing another investment like that because our rural roadways are literally crumbling. And again, we got to be able to get to I-70 in order to to get our product to market. But also, we need to be able to ensure uh, the safety and reliability of our roads because that is what our, our family farmers are traveling on every single day.
0: Absolutely. I mean, what an opportunity with these funds, if they're going to come, regardless of how people may feel um, with the federal government shoveling money towards states, at least we as a state can make wise decisions of what to do with them and invest in projects that have returns for generations. Um, on that front is continuing to invest in broadband. So Missouri Farm Bureau has been a leader in this space for years in talking about how access to broadband will really improve the quality of life for farmers and really rural rural communities. And we saw that just highlighted with, with COVID and as education went to online formats and Jobs, being able to work remotely, um, it really highlighted the gaps of rural communities and those folks who don't have access to high quality, affordable broadband. And so the legislature did a lot to address this this last year by investing um, a lot of funds and plusing up the Office of Broadband, which has really been the hub for all things broadband in Missouri. And as they've got up and rolling, they've done some really impressive things this year. They just announced recently that. Um, 60 projects have been awarded through their broadband infrastructure grant, and that is sending out $261 million worth of investment to get some projects going very soon. We're talking 2024, 2025, people are going to be seeing additional connections. And then there's even more funds available at the federal level. Um, I believe our Office of Broadband Director, BJ Tanksley, announced recently that Missouri could have up to a billion dollars worth of federal funds coming down to invest in broadband. And so, looking at that and how we can get those funds out the doors quickly and fiber in the ground, they're talking about another $247 million being included in this year's budget to be able to support those projects. So, really big things are coming um, in a space. and, And in a way, this has been such a hallmark issue for Farm Bureau. And I remember whenever. B.J., when he was at Missouri Farm Bureau, was going around asking the legislature to invest $5 million in a grant program. And now we're talking about billions, mind-boggling amounts of money. So hopefully we can close that gap soon and continue to invest first on those who don't have access, and then moving on to those who are underserved and adding those speeds in really sustainable ways.
1: Absolutely. No, that, that's definitely exciting. And, and that is uh, definitely a uh, A a picture that you just painted of how, you know, in the past, we've always been beating the drum on investing in in rural broadband and just the the opportunity the legislature has right now to work on issues and pass legislation to address these these real world problems and, you know, I go back to you know how we kick this off of you know it's the spring. Uh, spring break right now for the legislature. And so it's essentially halftime. And while it has been a a successful first half from our perspective, uh, again, as any sports fan knows, uh, games can be won or lost in the second half. And when we look at the issues that we tackle at Missouri Farm Bureau, we know that this isn't a game. There are real needs out there for Missourians, from people not having access to affordable health coverage, to the safety and reliability of our, our roads being in, in question to searching for ways to bring bring our kids back to the farm to our rural communities and you know always working to protect our property rights we know that that we can't let up here in the second half of state legislative session and so with that uh, I, I would like to to say that the legislature needs to hear from Missouri Farm Bureau members they, they need to hear about the issues that we face every day in rural Missouri and they need to hear how these real world solutions can truly make a difference. So the first half was successful, but the next few weeks are going to determine if these proposals get off, get across the finish line into the governor's desk. And so I will say if you haven't joined us for Capital Connections yet, uh, please consider taking the time to do so. We're in the state Capitol every single Tuesday. And again, uh, the more that the legislators can hear directly from uh, Missouri Farm Bureau members, uh, that definitely does help move the needle. And if you haven't talked with your uh, elected official recently, please do consider picking up the phone and having a conversation with your legislature uh, and telling them about the priorities and the issues that we're facing uh, in the rural parts of our state. So, again, I would say it's halftime Farm Bureau and the second half is about to begin.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think that wraps it up well the strength of Missouri Farm Bureau is in our membership and we need you to participate in the state legislative process to move priorities to the finish line. With that, thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau podcast and we hope you join us next time.